0: We have arrived at the Four of Swords, a very welcome balance point in the Suit of Swords. Uh, Its Hermetic titles are two. We have two of them. One is the Lord of Truce, and one is the Lord of Rest from Strife. Mm. I think the Rest from Strife is particularly interesting because, you know, we talked a little bit about that in the last recording, I think, about how you could be going up the tree from the five to the four, and therefore. Rest from strife. It's also interesting to contrast it with the actual strife card, the five of wands, Saturn in Leo, and this is Jupiter in Libra. So again, that's sort of like, you know, all of the conflict versus all of the relief. But truce implies that there was conflict conflict, before. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to resolve. Right. So whereas peace, which we saw in the two of swords, is kind of a can be a condition that exists on its own. Truth depends on there having been conflict. I think we'll be seeing a lot of interpretations of this card as a temporary state of being.
1: I think all the swords are a temporary state Mm, of being.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. You know? Yeah, because the mind goes where it will.
1: Right, it doesn't stay on one thing. It's hard to make it stay on one thing. Which is fortunate when you get to the Ten of Swords. (laughs) We were were talking about meditation, and if you've ever
0: tried to keep your mind on one thing. Right. It's notoriously difficult. Yeah. Nature abhors a vacuum, but so does the mind. (laughs) So this is the final decan of Libra, 20 to 29 degrees of Libra, which technically includes the exaltation degree of Saturn. 21 degrees. And it's another double card, so cabalistically, It is associated with Jupiter twice. First, because it is Jupiter ruling the final decan of Libra, and secondly, because it is a four card, which is associated with the Sephira Chesed, which is associated with Jupiter. And as we said, that is a sequence that goes from the three of swords, through the four of swords, through the five, six, and seven of cups, through the eight, nine, and ten of wands. So this is actually our last double card in that sequence, since we've already done the cups and wands cards. Those who have wondered why this card seems to be a relatively benign manifestation of the sword suit, it's all about Jupiter, the greater benefic. So, you know, in that story of Libra that we've been telling the first the idea in libra that we go kind of from the 2 of swords impasse or challenge conflicting points of view to the 3 of swords where we have the understanding or crisis that that something has to give way that the jar has to crack open and the heart needs to uh, relent here we have an uneasy peace an uneasy sort of a a moment of compromise or acceptance of whatever we concluded in the 3
1: Yeah, you can think of it in a way, if you're proceeding from the three, the rest from strife is from the three, but it could also be, as we spoke, the other direction from the five. Right. It's either gathering the strength for the five or resting from the five, one or the other. Right. It's definitely a plateau point between the two
0: um, less pleasant things. Right. And it is a resting place. We've been through a lot in the first three cards and we've now crossed the abyss into the four, which is, the, as you've said before, the Keter of the lower realm. So sort of like it contains everything beneath it. So all of the traumas and and resolutions that we're going to try and go through in four through 10 of swords are contained within here, theoretically.
1: And as the four, you know, as the, the, the ace of the material world, it's manifesting or externalizing the
0: supernals
1: so Mm -hmm. the two and the three it's bringing them into
0: manifestation um another reason that this card is a pretty positive manifestation is the fact that it's the greater benefic in the sign of the lesser benefic so you've got sort of double blessings going Right, right venus and jupiter they're not out to get you the um associated major cards are the wheel of fortune and the justice or adjustment card. I guess one way to think of that is the idea that you get the expanded worldview afforded by Jupiter allows you to accommodate both sides of the argument.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And that the process of justice or adjustment that you go through eventually results in something that neither side may be entirely happy with, but they accept as the inevitable outcome of the process. And that inevitability seems like a a fate or fortune function to me. Jupiter also seems like, in addition to being expansive and benefic and all the other things, it allows you to expand your mind philosophically and encompass bigger ideas. So even though... You may have gotten into conflict in the two and three of swords. Your broader perspective that Jupiter has given you allows you to accept the consequences of this process. The big picture. The big picture. The associated time period is that third decan of Libra, October 13th-ish through October 20-something, 21, 22 and this we associate in the Northern Hemisphere as a time when the light is starting to shorten. You can see it happening. Beautiful time of year as well here. Maybe our best. Uh, people actually come to this part of the world to, to see the, the leaves turning. Uh, I should go back a little bit to the, um, the idea that Jupiter relieves the pressure of Saturn. The Four of Swords relieves the pressure of the Three of Swords. I think also with the Wheel of Fortune card, maybe there's a understanding that sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. You know, it's all going to even out in the end. Right. That makes sense. This is interesting. So the, to the extent that Libra is concerned with balance and fairness, the vicissitudes of fortune, um, they, they seem yeah. to be distributed unequally, but in the long run, yeah. changes the friend of uh, fairness. Right. And we also see that if you think about, like, the Jupiter and Capricorn card, for example, the um, the, two of, the Lord of Change. Two of Disks, yeah. Two of Disks. That's another manifestation of that. Oh, yeah, that's something I usually do with the Deccan cards, isn't it? We usually go through every planet a little bit, every one of the other minor cards. I haven't done that in a while. Well, no time like the (laughs) present. No time like the present. So, all right. So we've got mm, Jupiter. Let's see. Not in Aries, not in Taurus, but in Gemini. In Gemini, yes, definitely. The Eight of Swords. Jupiter in Cancer, uh, Leo. Jupiter and Leo will have that in the six of wands virgo libra here we are in the four of swords scorpio no sagittarius no No. uh capricorn yes In the two of discs pisces and pisces yeah so okay jupiter cards just by way of comparison in the minor arcana there are five of them as there are for all planets except for mars which has six. We have the uh, Jupiter ruling the first decan of Gemini in the Eight of Swords. We have Jupiter ruling the middle decan of Leo in the Six of Wands. We have uh, Jupiter ruling the final decan of Libra in the Four of Swords, the first decan of Capricorn in the Two of Discs, and the middle decan of Pisces in the Nine of Cups. So we have interference Victory, truce, arrest from strife, change, and happiness. I think that this manifestation
1: of Jupiter being in Libra kind of really speaks to like the the, benevol- the idea of the benevolent king or the benevolent ruler guiding his subjects. You know that that Libra
0: partnership thing. Yeah, and the The idea
1: of fairness and, and, you know, wise rulership.
0: You know, not all of us can have the perspective to see what's going to be fair for everybody. Somebody has to have that job. Right. It's a sucky job, but somebody's got to do it. (laughs) I'm still remembering that after the election in 2008, the Onion wrote, Black man gets worst job in America. (laughs) And, you know, and it really, I was just listening to a political podcast about, you know, the vicissitudes of the Democratic Party on my way here. And boy, Obama really had a bad job (laughs) for all eight years. And, and it did, it made me realize that the job of being the guy who calls the compromise is a really tough job. And I think that that's, that's something in the nature of this card, the responsibility, and the sort of dissatisfaction and temporary nature of that responsibility. Sometimes it's not good to be the king. Yeah, often. Uneasy rests the head that wears the crown. Yes. Yes. And that's the uneasy quality of the truce card. Well we were talking about Deccans, right? So yep. um in general the Jupiter Deccan cards are Pretty nice, you know, Mm -hmm. victory, change, happiness, truce. Interference is a little tough,
1: but even that one's not so bad. And it's,
0: yeah, it's not so bad, and it's really interesting, too. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to us talking about that in a few weeks. But the Associated Court card is kind of interesting. It's the, the Knight or Prince of Cups. This is his Shadow Deccan. So he's already lived through all the compromises um, and his main decans are the five and six of cups where he, yeah, he's he's no longer interested in doing the the, the work of balance. Okay, so yeah, Kabbalah, this is the Sephirah Chesed in Yetzirah, as we said, the world of formation. And the translation for Chesed, we usually uh, call it mercy. mercy yep. So this is the pillar of mercy. In in the same way that Gavura is severity on the pillar of severity.
1: The virtue of hesed is obedience, which I thought was interesting in terms of some of the symbols of the um sephira are the square and the pyramid and the equal armed cross and the crook and scepter. And they're all kind of seem like things of kingship.
0: Yeah. So the idea
1: of obedience and law and kind of it kind of fits
0: with that uh, Jupiter theme. Um, I don't know. There's something very Confucian about it. The idea that you know somebody's got to lead and somebody's got to follow. Right. That
1: you have to at some point adhere to conventions. And follow some rules. The vice, interestingly enough. So now that we're below the abyss, the the list of vices is quite long. <laughs> There's uh, bigotry, hypocrisy, gluttony, and tyranny. You can see that's so like a
0: sort of out of control grabbing for
1: more. Yeah, kind of like a ruler out of control. Yeah, you know what I mean. The 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 king who's kind of gotten too big headed and yeah. overstepping his
0: absolute power absolutely corrupts. Yes, right. You know, another name for chesed is gedula. And that's really interesting. You hear it in the lesser banishing ritual of the Mm -hmm. pentagram where you say v'gedula, v'gebura. And I just realized, I just looked it up, and gedula... I just learned the word gadol, which means big (laughs) in Hebrew. Hey, that makes sense. So it means bigness, you know, greatness. Expansion. Expansion. Jupiter. So it's interesting that you can think of mercy as having a quality of expansiveness and bigness and being like big enough to say, okay, it's all right. You know, I can accommodate this. Yeah. 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 Generosity.
1: And even being able to, you know,
0: compromise, it takes a big, a bigness. Yeah, it takes a generosity of spirit, because a willingness to let go of your own point of view. And so this is in the world of formation. So let, we could contrast it a little bit with Chokmah, maybe, I mean, because they both have principles of being sort of a, a, an impulse, a spontaneous impulse to create. But I think that the thing about Chesed that's different it's not just about the insight the way Chokmah is, but about having already had some experience with adversity, um, with recognizing that there are others who need to be accommodated, that it's not always pretty. Because this is the first time we have a Sephira that follows an experience on the pillar of form. And so, you know, it needs to accommodate and react to that. There has to be, uh, you know, after the the restrictions and sorrows of bina, you have to have a moment where somebody says it's going to be okay.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of strange that there's an element of restriction in this card at the same time that there's that idea of expansion. Mm-hmm. It's more of instead of restriction it's more like it's not the structure of saturn it's the structure of jupiter you mm-hmm. know if that makes sense just in that you know the four is generally a stable mm-hmm. a stabilized thing so right. there there's some idea of form there you know yeah
0: just since in the five there's some idea of pushing past form yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's maybe below the abyss you get more blending yeah between the pillars
1: and the symbol of the pyramid, which is one of the symbols of Hesed, mm-hmm. is kind of interesting because if you think of a pyramid, it's, it's got four sides, but then they all come to a point. Mm-hmm. And I think of it as the point being like Keter. So yes. this is like the Keter of the material world. So it's drawing its strength from above, mm-hmm. but bringing it down all four sides into Something a manifest stable form that we can relate to, rather than this, you know, single point. Taking got a certain solidity that wasn't there before. Yeah. Even though Jupiter is expansion, Mm got a weight
0: to it. It's sort of like I'm just trying to make a legal comparison. For example, you know, you might have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but. You don't really recognize what that means until you insult a person in power to their face and you're allowed to do that, right? You know, in this real world, you know, there are real consequences to decisions that are made on high. Oh, Deccan images. So these are weird. Okay, I have some interesting connections here. So, a man riding a donkey with a wolf in front of him, says Picatrix. Evil works, sodomy, adultery, singing, joy, and favors. Not flavors, favors. And then, deck an image from Agrippa, a violent man holding a bow, and before him a
1: naked man. And also another man holding bread in one hand and a cup of wine in the other.
0: Oh, okay, bread and wine. Okay, so this is interesting. Um, And then the wicked lust singing, sports, and gluttony. So... (laughs) Uh, sorry <laughs> uh, so okay so here's something that came up when i was researching the thought card and i'll just mention it now because it's so bizarre so the the salt here on the thought card is also known as a saint andrew's cross All right. so i wikipedia'd saint andrew's cross last night and to my great surprise <laughs> up came an entry on bdsm <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I was like, so apparently the St. Andrew's cross is a steel X-shaped frame that the... That
1: St. Andrew was crucified, was cru- because crucified on because he considered himself not good enough to be crucified on the same shape cross as exactly. Jesus. Yes. And
0: apparently in that area of bondage and sadomasochism, that's a steel frame that people use for their play. You know. I see. So, so the blind man... That was, Um, Be careful what you search for on the internet. (laughs) I know, I was just looking up St. Andrew. Hey, my (laughs) poor
1: friend one time was trying to learn how to make sausage, like literally (laughs) trying to, and he he looked up, he was looking for like one of those devices that you use, and he looked up sausage stuffer. Oh! Oh Don't my God. do it. <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> Don't do it. The things we learned, you know, uh, taking a few for the team here. Um, it's also, but then I managed to get myself out of there and look up some more stuff about St. Andrew. And he's associated with the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. So that's kind ah, of interesting. Yeah, so you is. said, you know, the, the, the other man with the bread and wine. Yep. So there is, you know, and th- I think we can tie this back into sort of the idea of excess that goes with with Jupiter and the folly uh, and, the, and the... Right, um, the uh, vices, vices of, of uh, gluttony
1: and... Yeah. Yeah, 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 the
0: idea that you can kind of get go a bit overboard, but also the idea that generosity can have no bounds, like with the miracle of well, the loaves and fishes. The fact that uh,
1: this card has a lot to do with, you know, recuperation and stuff, mm-hmm. that... Sometimes what you're recuperating from may be these excesses.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Still, I, I think those Deccan images were a bit surprising. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, sometimes they are. Yeah. At least he's only riding the donkey.
0: <laughs> uh, that's right. This is bringing back the Ten of cups. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not. We're yeah. not going there. We're not going there, but y'all can check out the Ten of cups Deccans if you want to. <laughs> Um, the other thing that is associated with this Deccan, according to Austin Kopic, was the idea of Tyche or Tuche, who is essentially the, uh, the Greek equivalent of the Roman Fortuna, which is appropriate, of course, since we are associating the planetary major of the Wheel of Fortune to this card and that Nemesis, who we talked about in these last, uh, few cards of Libra, was a check to the excesses of Tyche. Mm-hmm. So fortune. A correcting force. Yeah, because fortune would distribute her, her gifts unevenly, you know, um, haphazardly. And eventually it, it works out in the end, but. A nemesis was the balancing. Nemesis was the sister and the ba- balancing. There's another god associated with Tyche, um, her companion, Agatos Daimon, which is just means good spirit. And this was when I saw that my ears kind of perked up because on Rune Soup, I've been a premium member recently and they did a working to Agatos Daimon. Agatos Daimon is basically an uh, sort of an ancient spirit of personal good fortune, providing uh, food and drink to your household, you know, trying to watch over the well-being of the locals. And so so between the two of them, they kind of looked over, watched over the local fortunes. Um, Tyche was the daughter of Aphrodite and Hermes interestingly enough so you can see how that would be fortunate yeah yeah and uh and she and she was a tutelary deity so she governed the fate of cities and if you see pictures of taiki she wears a crown that's shaped like a city yep you know so each one would have sort of uh their own version of it and she was supposed to watch over your you know your community in the sense that she was responsible for the fate of cities if there was a um you know, an unpredictable event of any kind that befell the city, she was considered responsible. Blame it on Taiki. So that's just kind of an interesting thing. Heavy that goes with is the decade. head that wears the city in its crown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that crown is called a mural crown. So city walls, pretty interesting. Yeah, totally. So when you see that in art, you you now know what it means. The other thing that Austin associates this, he, his image is the gyroscope. And uh so the gyroscope is constantly spinning but around a balance.
1: Yeah, kinda of like a the adjustment card.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, that and pivot point. And here's something that I thought was a really good uh sort of physics analogy. So especially given the fact that we have Jupiter involved in here, when a tightrope walker is trying to cross on a tightrope, they use a long pole. They basically what they're doing is what they call it is they're increasing their moment of inertia. So it's like they're a much bigger object, like, you know, they're expanding like Jupiter, and that creates more stability, less wobble around the center of gravity. Mm -hmm. So to me, that is a good analogy for what goes on in the sort of process of compromise, right? You make yourself bigger so that you are more stable. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, especially in the context of this sort of constantly spinning gyroscope wheel of fortune thing that's going on Yeah, you know, and the yep. desire for things to change in turn, but you stabilize yourself by making yourself bigger. Neat. All right. And that's basically all I have for this episode. <laughs> it's all good. One good thing is yeah, enough. Yeah, Exactly. So Atea says of this card that it has to do with solitude or economy. If you pull this card first, it predicts that in a little while you'll enter yourself into a religious community.
1: Well that's interesting because this card reminded me of the retreat center I used to work yeah. at, which is a religious community. It's a it's, you know, a Buddhist church.
0: Yeah. Huh. That makes sense. All right. So um so I guess we could probably go on to the uh card by card. Yeah. The Rider-Waite Smith 4 of Swords. Do you have you ever had the experience where you're like reading for someone who doesn't know a lot about tarot and they're like, "Oh my god, they're dead?" <laughs> oh, I could see how that could happen. <laughs> I was actually on a tarot professionals group the other day and uh Chiro Marchetti of, you know, the Gilded Tarot and all those other it was having a conversation with someone who asked him about one of his Four of Swords cards. And they asked, is that person dead or sleeping? And he had an interesting answer. He basically said that he had tried from the coloring of the face to make it ambiguous, because obviously this is like a tomb effigy, you know, is what this imagery is inspired by. But he wanted it to be up to the person reading to interpret it. Hmm. You know, and I think that that's useful when looking at this card the the instant reaction that people have oh somebody's dead is not the point of the card right right apparently the stained glass window in this has some uh, relationship to a stained glass window that was near where Pamela Coleman Smith spent her time in Winchelsea Church there may be another reference to that in the ten of Pentacles, I'm not sure. But the most important thing about this stained glass window, for those who haven't noticed it before, is the word pax above the head of the maternal figure in there. So pax, of course, means peace. But typically, when it's been used historically, like the pax romanum or whatever, it it represents a peace that's been negotiated after war. It's not just peace. Oh, and... um. I wrote down a Latin phrase here, and I have no idea why. <laughs> it says, Deus nobiscum pax profunda. That um, that translates to God is with us and peace profound. Uh, and if you've ever been in a Catholic mass, you probably have heard, you know, pax fobiscum, which means peace be with you, etc. So that's sort of like that. And it, that is a Rosicrucian saying, um, so that sort of brings us into the uh, the territory of um, initiatory orders, Rosicrucianism, Freemasonry, uh, and you know the chivalric uh, imagery that usually goes with that. I think that there's something to be said about this being a knight who is keeping vigil. So mm-hmm. you know the, the way. So one of the steps that one had to take before becoming a knight was to sit up all night with your armor, guarding your armor and your sword. And I think that in that process, you were supposed to have something of a spiritual experience, where you would remember that you were dedicating your service to God as a knight. It wasn't simply about one king's power. But you know, what's also interesting to think about in this In this image is the way that the three swords are separate from the one sword, Mm. right? Like the troubles of the three of swords are set aside. Right. Right. That makes sense. This card always makes me think of the meditative qualities of the four. You know, we talked about them in the two, and we'll probably talk about them again in the eight. But there's something about this card, the stained glass window shows life happening outside of the dream right? Or Mm, it, it could represent what he's dreaming, or it could represent the fact that he's away from life, taking a break. But there's a separation between the real world and the imagined world. I think that's implied by that stained glass window. Yeah, I think Isabel Rado Kliegman in Tarot and the Tree of Life, which is her book on the miners, talks about this card as having to do with the active imagination, which we talked about in The Princess of Cups, episode. But I can see how she arrived at that.
1: Yeah, I could see that too, that it does have that quality of uh, that he's meditating and um, this, the still, the stilling of the mind, just like we saw in the two, but in a different way. Yeah, this a, is more like, that was maybe the beginning of the process. And this is far further into it. Yeah, this reminds me, the fruits of maybe this is the fruits of it, you know?
0: Yeah, this reminds me of the process that this is something I'm kind of obsessed with, the process of Lectio Divina, which we may have talked about before, also known as scriptural exegesis. Um, there's a Jewish equivalent in Pardes, um, Peshat, remez, Deresh, Sod. So the idea that there are four levels of meaning, and when you contemplate, you go from the explicit meaning to the metaphorical meaning to the um spiritual meaning to the secret esoteric meaning. And just because this is a four and it has this quality of meditation and contemplation Mm -hmm. about it, that reminds me of this. It could also be that, you know, another way to look at this card is that he's sleeping on the sword of justice, right? That the other three swords have been set aside, but this is the, the sword that brings peace, which is the fruits of justice. Or the fruits
1: of karma with the exaltation
0: of Saturn here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense right and as a story a knight who is honored in effigy like this is probably historically somebody who has given his life in service to right. something bigger mm-hmm. which is very much the nature the nature of justice based on principle mm. Mm. and there's something also about the like the contrast between the living scene in the window and the still figure on the bottom that reminds me a little bit of the figures in fortune in the um marseille versions of of the wheel of fortune there's always you know a, a a figure on top who's awake and alive and crowned and uh victorious and then there's usually one who's on the who's dead lying underneath the uh the wheel so i can't tell what the is the other figure
1: kneeling what is that figure doing i thought that i can't really make it out
0: oh you know you could be right i i had always thought it, that it was a child but, but it looks like they are kneeling. Looks like there's a castle in the background too.
1: Yeah, I saw the castle. Which makes sense for the idea of fours as some sort of structure.
0: Right. And it sort of ties into your discussion. And I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the two or the three of swords about Cassus, the house and chasteness and, yep. you know, enclosure of that kind. What, what I think of mostly when I see this picture in the stained glass window with the packs above it is that it is like a picture of peace. It's a picture of people not fighting and, you know, just doing peaceful things. And, you know, and you can imagine how a soldier might feel about that. You know, the sacrifices that the soldier may have made or the, the wish that these things might come through true or the people that he's left back home. Mm. But there's certainly a quality of
1: service to society. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Of that being a, a wish that's not, the person's reality, to mention what Waite said about uh, his card. The effigy of a knight in the attitude of prayer at full length upon his tune, vigilance, retreat, solitude, hermit's repose, exile, tomb and coffin. So there's definitely a religiosity about the card, which, you know, belief systems are associated with Jupiter as well, mm-hmm. um, faith and religion. Okay, so yeah, this is something that also was... Uh, In Mather's 1888 interpretation of the cards, a nun separation, removal, rupture, quarrel. So uh, the nun thing really picks up on the isolation Mm -hmm. from reality, the religiosity, the sequestration in service of a larger thing. All right. Uh, Shall we move on to Thoth? Sure. I
1: really like the forms of those, I guess we called them in the two, the pinwheels, but here they really look to me like, the same type of yeah it reminds me of the lightning bolts from the fortune card oh you're right yeah it does look like that double jupiter i guess they had to have the lightning the thunderbolts
0: yeah and something about the the sort of chaotic pattern of that reminds me of you know in your rosetta the sort of neural formations yeah, you have in the yeah.
1: sword the synapses firing Mm-hmm. then you have the Swords in the St. Andrew's Cross Formation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to listen to that without smirking again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think those lightning-type disruption things, you know, I really emphasize the idea that this is a break from the chaos, you know, because right. it's so sort of frenetic in back and so orderly in front. Looking in the foreground.
1: at the... the- positions of the swords too it
0: almost looks
1: like you're looking at a pyramid from above
0: i was gonna that, say so you know, too yeah
1: pyramid as one of the symbols of hesed and the channeling from above down to the four corners right and the center would then be ketter yeah
0: you know and the ketter of the material world being hesed
1: and then the fact that there's the rose behind it brings in the rose cross uh, symbolism
0: right Right. So we were talking before we went on air about the number of petals in the rose, which are supposed to be 49. However, if you kind of look, there's a sort of inner rosette that has four sets of four, that's 16. And then an outer rosette that has four sets of six, that's 24. So you take 16 and 24. And um yeah, that's really only 40.
1: Right. Well, there's that inner ring, too.
0: Oh, the inner ring. Okay. Let, recount. Okay. So the inner ring has four sets of two, but, ah, she's fitting. Okay. If you look at the, I didn't see that inner ring. The inner ring has two, four, six, and then it actually has nine. So that's how they got the 49. She squeezed in a third one in the sort of Western quadrant here. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. Ah, that's interesting. So, outer ring uh, twenty-four, inner ring sixteen, inmost rosette there nine, adding up to forty-nine. What's special about forty-nine well, besides seven times seven?
1: I consider it a goddess number. Mm-hmm. You know, Venus. It's you know seven by seven. It's yeah. the number of it's a number of Babylon and the goddess and just. I think that's pointing to Venus as the ruler of Libra.
0: Yeah, yeah, could be. Crowley says of this card, Chesed in the realm of the intellect, that's Yetzirah, the sum of these symbols is therefore without opposition, establishment of dogma and the law concerning it, refuge from mental chaos chosen in an arbitrary manner. And it argues for convention. So kind of going along to get along.
1: Yeah, somewhere he also refers to it as the military clan system of society, which hmm. makes sense with the the idea of conventions and following rules and serving, you know, something greater than yourself, you know, the military class.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Peace enforced by the sword.
0: <laughs> yeah. He says that the rose, the 49 petaled rose, represents social harmony. That's a Libra thing. Yeah. But then he gets a little dark he says minds too indolent or too cowardly to think out their own problems hail joyfully this policy of appeasement (laughs) uh right it's disturbance by the five holds no promise of advance it's static shams go pell-mell into the melting pot yeah i thought that was kind of funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so he's basically saying Saying truce truce
1: is temporary (laughs) yeah Right, right yeah it's like they can, only hold for so long and then right. someone makes a move. That's right. Out.
0: You can pass as many executive orders as you want. They're still going to be rolled back by the next administration. <laughs> in four years. It's exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Their points are sheathed in the rows. So the idea being that they're no longer a threat. Is there anything interesting going on with the handles, the hilts? Not that I can make out. There's all these, um, well... Look at this. I never noticed this. Each are, each one is a little different. Yeah, each one's a little different. I wonder if that's a four elements thing. Yeah, okay. I could kind
1: of see it being four elements. Yeah. I kind of see one that looks like water, for yeah.
0: sure. One looks kind of crystalline.
1: Yep. Really hard to make out, though.
0: Yeah. Maybe the point was just to make them all different. I mean, you could make an ar- argument that some of them have, like, elemental triangles, but... It's not so clear. Let's see. In terms of the way it blends the majors, the Thoth majors, you can say that, you know, the wheel is sort of reflected in the rose. Mm. Yeah, one thing um, the Golden
1: Dawn description says of this card that the rose from the three has been reinstated Mm. and now has white radiation.
0: Oh, I see, yeah.
1: So it is sort of like a rest from the problems of the three, if you consider it in that sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's more complicated now because it has 49 petals instead of five. <laughs> right. And then, of course, it has that beautiful green Venusian color in the background. Yeah,
1: the colors are uh, deep purple is the, mm-hmm. the main color. And then, yeah, the emerald green is from the Libra um, portion yeah. of the uh, card. So emerald blue, deep blue, green. Pale emerald or pale green. Then there's all the Jupiter colors. We see a lot of those here. The purples Mm -hmm. and and blues and blue-rayed yellow and
0: purple-tinged blue. Royal purple and green of life. King colors. I keep thinking those green uh, shapes behind the rose look like kryptonite. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) All right. I guess we've pretty much exhausted Thoth. Right. So on to your tabula mundi four of swords.
1: Yeah. So the, uh, one thing you see the, the swords in this one are in a diamond shape. Uh huh. That's kind of like bringing in the Thoth's adjustment card with that. Uh, yeah. He, he, Crowley calls the, the diamond shape in that card the, uh, diamond as the concealed vesica Pisces or (laughs) piscis. Um, yeah.
0: So. The portal of birth.
1: Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of a it's a reference to the adjustment card in that deck. Although I don't have the diamond in my own adjustment card. Mm-hmm. It's got the uh, the feathers are in both the adjustment card and the fortune card. Uh, both have a feather. Um, in this case, they're writing in tandem the Alpha and Omega. They're writing out the, the treaty or the truce to come. Then there's the, uh, the Vajra or Dorje mm-hmm. that's from the fortune card, which.
0: So that's that cross in the middle?
1: Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that cross in the middle, which kind of reflects that St. Andrew's cross shape, the, uh, saltier mm-hmm. shape. And it's said to, symbolize um what's called in in buddhism the four immeasurables or the brahma viharas Mm -hmm. these sublime exalted states of metta karuna mudita and upeka Hmm. so Metta translates, it's the most well-known one, it translates to a state of love. Mudita is a state of sympathetic joy or being happy for other people's happiness. Mm. Com- uh, karuna translates to compassion and, you know, feeling for other people's pain. um And equanimity, upeka is equanimity that's taking in, you know, everything as whether it's pleasant or unpleasant and being treating it equally and, you know, being at equilibrium with that. And so it's kind of this uh, sense of embracing all in the, in the sense that, you know, in equanimity, you're embracing it, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Karuna, you're embracing those who are suffering. In Metta, you're embracing everything, mm. a, a, all, a, all people. And mm-hmm. uh, in Mudita, you're embracing those who are prosperous rather than feeling, you know, jealousy. And I think that those qualities are probably very important um, to keep in mind if you want a truce that will last. Yeah. Th- this quality of yeah. of embracing all, caring for all, whether they're prosperous or suffering, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant for you personally. Right. You know, kind of being big, that idea of being bigger than that. Yeah. It, it, th- yeah. It's, it's bringing in those qualities. And so that Vajra is... Kind of in the fortune card, in my fortune card, it's the shuttle to the loom. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's weaving the um, that blue thread around all four swords and kind of bringing them together.
0: Yeah, that's kind of like social cohesion. Yeah, you know? kind of everybody working mm-hmm. for the... the functional comp- society.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that central point of the Vajra is said to be the heart of the meditator. So again, it brings in that quality of meditation. Mm. Um, because... It's through meditation that you can arise at these Brahma Viharas and these exalted states of good thoughts towards all, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And the other interesting thing is that the shuttle, the shuttle weaving thing kind of brings in the fates. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that the, the fates are kind of interesting in relation to this card because they're daughters of Zeus – so jupiter and mm-hmm. themis so libra justice oh that's perfect so yeah, uh, yeah the that's three perfect. the three fates that you know weave our uh, yeah our lives hmm. and the other thing that that diamond shape again which brings in what i guess i would call the the refuge of structure and how structure can sometimes mm-hmm. be something to rest in mm-hmm. and to keep you feeling, you know, safe. Yeah. Um, rather yeah. than everything just being allowed and open to know right. to know where the boundaries are. What or the rules to know are. Yeah. Or yeah. to know what the rules are can sometimes be a comfort if you yeah. don't want to have to think about it, you know. Yeah, it's like
0: when you're, you know, playing a board game and you look up the rule book. Right. <laughs>
1: You know, I used to work at that meditation center, and there was Mm -hmm. something that was referred to a lot as the container. And what that was was like the retreat center environment and even its renunciations being a form of refuge and, and safety where you could meditate. Yeah. Knowing that yeah. there was this container of silence, and you know things were provided for you, and, a, and a, a structure was provided for you, or a safety was provided for you, then you didn't have to worry about where your meals were coming from. You didn't have to worry about. You just followed the rules and followed the schedule, and and used that as this uh, vehicle for your meditation. Mm. So there is something about a structure providing some sort of. You know, safety and
0: containment. Yeah, it's an intellectual structure too. It's a, yeah, that frees your mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: That's cool. And the diamond itself is often a, a keter mm-hmm. keter symbol. So then there's that you know keter of the material world kind of thing right. going on, right?
0: Right, and isn't the diamond also uh, an important symbol in Buddhist meditation as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The the diamond, you know, it's it's purity, it's strength. The vajra itself is also sometimes referred to as the, the the diamond or the thunderbolt. Matter of fact, years ago I did a meditation retreat. As part of it, they asked you to write some sort of essay, and then they asked for your birth date and. They'd somehow look up, these monks would somehow look up your birth date, and they would give, based on your essay and your birth date, they would give you a name. Hmm. And um the name they gave me was Vajra. Really? Uh, and it means one who is strong like a diamond. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> so the diamond, I mean, the... There's in Buddhism, there's this diamond heart. There's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, when you think of a diamond, it's, it's the hardest substance known to man. So it's very strong. It's unbreakable. And that's the strength of these four Brahma Viharas that if you can really rest in them, it Mm -hmm. gives you this unbreakable strength.
0: And it's formed through pressure. So that sort of reminds you of the fact that this truce is won through having experienced conflict and come out of it with some clarity. Yeah. I'm just l- remembering how I, <laughs> when I was trying to fit together your deck and cards. Into, <laughs> oh, right. <Yeah. laughs> and I was like yeah. trying to put together the edges of the, the clouds and the three of swords and the four of swords and driving myself absolutely bananas. Thinking, she must have meant to do this this It looked really cool. Though, what you <laughs> it <did>. was cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And those swords, they're the swords of the Ace of Swords. Yeah, oh, the yeah. same
1: swords have been mm-hmm. continuing, continuing, um, continuing. Through
0: this two, three, four sequence, Mm-hmm. and then you've got the feathers of Maat, and um, so you've got this is interesting. You've got a lowercase alpha and an uppercase omega there. Yeah, so, that,
1: that is interesting.
0: So it's almost like the omega is super final. It's more because
1: <laughs> it was more of an artistic decision. Yeah, than it just a looked con- good than a conscious <laughs> decision.
0: <laughs> but it really does look like the feather is writing the letters. Yep.
1: Yeah, they're meant to look like they're writing kind of like um
0: in tandem mm-hmm. just the way the the hand of typhon is writing on the fortune card yep i like the blue sky that's sort of like you I know think you, i
1: think you once <laughs> asked me something about that or I the do. or They're the sky in like... the queen of um swords yeah i may have this sky or that sky nice <laughs> and uh it's uh, done with a paper towel <laughs> <laughs> For what it's worth. Oh, you pour out the oh, ink and then sop it great. back up and it left this really cloud like texture yeah that I was digging at the time. Yeah,
0: that's neat. Okay, so um how about this one? Is this something that you get often? I wouldn't say a lot. Mm-hmm. Not really. I do like it as a card. hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I get it an absolute ton. It's like of all of the Libra cards, this is the one I get the most. And I I was trying to figure out what the through line was. And I had a lot of trouble. I couldn't quite work it out. I mean, maybe it is that I get it so much because... You know, our days are about compromises, <laughs> and about, you know, the difference between what you meant to do and what you ended up being able to do as a parent, as a person trying to work, as a person just like... Yeah, you must dealing. have to do a
1: lot of compromise as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> My God, it's
0: like... <laughs> but one that I thought was kind of interesting was like, there were a few instances where I was creating structures for myself, you know, stru- scheduling um mm-hmm. uh, or trying out different divinatory structures like I, w- I remember one time I was playing around with uh astrology trying to figure out the Almutin figures which is the ruler of the chart there was uh there was one time I was kind of fixating on bibliomancy so they're definitely sort of like some reaching for different belief systems and structures and one time this was I think kind of an interesting manifestation of this so there's this poem in my family um It's, uh, the ancestral poem where each generation takes one character of the poem for their first name. So my first name is Tsefeng, but it's pronounced Zifeng and the Z part of it is from the poem. And it means that's the one that has to do. We've talked about it when in the geomancy stuff because it has to do with swamp and water. It's a translation of that. And, uh, anyway, so I got the Four of Swords one day when I had put out a call for help translating it, because I didn't have a good translation of it. And it makes me think of that family poem, because that poem is an intellectual structure that contains our family, mm-hmm. right? You know, or that's the idea that it was supposed to uh, travel on down through the generations. It so hasn't gotten every very time far yet.
1: someone is born, another line is added to no, the poem? No. So,
0: so the poem is static. It's like four lines long or something, and it has a f- like four characters per line. But each generation is supposed to take the next character down is supposed to be their first name. So like, all of my dad's generation, they all had the first name Nai. you know, Nai something, my dad was Nye Young. And everyone in the next generation is supposed to be Z. But it hasn't really worked out that way. I mean, I think they got only a few generations and It's a pretty nouveau riche poem. You know, they only started this like in the 18th or 19th century. And uh, we haven't gotten that far. Plus, it was only supposed to be handed down through the male line of the family. And everybody's like having daughters. So so I didn't name my kids, you know, I didn't use that. that. way. No, I didn't do it. But it's kind of nice to know it's there. And that probably there's somebody in China who's keeping up the tradition. Anyway, so um so yeah, that's my story for the Four of Swords. My experience with the intellectual structures of the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um wow, did we do it? I think I think we, we did. did it. All right. So let's sum it up. So we we talked about this card as chooser rest from strife as having to follow conflict and uh it's relationship with compromise and appeasement.
1: It both follows conflict and precedes it. Yeah. It can be the calm before or after the storm, depending on which way up the tree or down the
0: tree you're going. For sure. It's definitely a place of discomfort on either side. We talked about uh, Jupiter and in Libra as uh, the greater benefic and the sign of the lesser benefic. And um, this
1: decan is containing the exaltation of Saturn. The idea of karma and regaining balance. The idea of four as temporary stabilization and
0: stillness. Right. The idea of Chesed, the fourth Sephirah, uh, as being the Keter of the material world. Chesed in Yetzirah, the world of formation.
1: The idea of kingship serving society benevolently.
0: Yeah. And the idea of obedience versus hypocrisy, gluttony, excess. We talked about St. Andrew and the St. Andrew's Cross, <laughs> and the uh, miracle of the loaves and fishes. Uh, we talked about the moment of inertia, the uh, the tightrope walker's pull. We talked about convention, the idea of convention, even rigidity,
1: and the refuge of structure, how it can be a
0: positive thing. Right we talked about uh, nemesis and tyche and agathos daimon uh, tyche as the tutelary deity of cities
1: and nemesis
0: as the corrector of
1: excesses right we talked about the idea of convalescence i guess and recovery from those excesses and yeah. i was thinking about that and I associate the physical body more with discs than with swords, so mm-hmm. I was wondering, you know, this convalescence or rest or recovery may be more from the mental parts, of, the mental stresses of being unwell. Yeah. Because if you're unwell, your mind is going to be upset about that.
0: And also, you know, that's that reminds me of the rest cure, which people used to take for their nervous anxiety. <laughs>
1: That must be why I like to lay around and read and do nothing when I'm stressed. Yeah. That's the rest cure.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Preferably with a beer. That's the beer cure.
1: (laughs) Well, usually when I do that, it's at uh, by the water, laying around by the beach and doing nothing but reading and drinking, and I
0: find that very restorative. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) You don't even need to have had a hard time before for that to be great. The uh, stained glass of um, depicting the word peace or pax and the idea that the dream of peace of the night uh, keeping vigil.
1: And we talked about the Vajra as the thunderbolt and the diamond, but also as the four immeasurables or Brahma Viharas and that central point of stillness of the meditator.
0: We talked about the rose of 49 petals
1: about writing contracts and the kind of temporary nature of
0: a truce. The isolation of the hermit or the religious community. Renunciation. The Alpha and Omega. And the
1: military clan system of society. (laughs) Compromises
0: and diplomacy, I guess. Hmm.
1: Definitely diplomacy,
0: right? I think of Jupiter and Libra as being really all about really the diplomacy. Dip- yeah, diplomatic. Yeah. yeah,
1: Libras in general are the most diplomatic people I've ever For sure. met. I have For sure. a lot of Libras in my life, and um, they are very diplomatic, indeed, almost
0: to a fault. On the one hand, on the other, on hand. the other hand. <laughs> Yeah, actually, we just passed out of Jupiter and Libra into Jupiter and Scorpio last year, right, in the last year sometime. Yeah, Jupiter is going to be in Scorpio until the fall, I think, sometime in November. In a way, you can think of this as maybe the end of the dance with the fool, (laughs) you know, the partners bowing to each other for the time being, before we move on to the next thing. So thank you for um, sticking with us through the three Libra cards we'll be moving on next time to the 5 of swords and the aquarius. the fixed ideas of aquarius <laughs>